Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ant. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Fred, what is happening this week? This week we're chatting with Diana Newen, who is a comedian, an actress, and also one of the most popular creators on LinkedIn video. And a lot of those videos involve her dancing. I had people driving eight hours to see me, from Houston to Dallas, from New Jersey to New York, someone from from Virginia to New York. It was crazy. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that we have Change a College, which is going to help you become an even better YouTube creator. And you can find it at changeacollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R, college.com. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Diana Nguyen, welcome yes. to Creator Generation. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Now, uh, I reckon, as everyone knows who listens to this, I'm going to do a shocking job of introing you, so you please introduce yourself. Who are you? I am an actor and comedian. I've been working in Australia and um, around the world for the last 15 years in TV, film and stand-up. Um, and I'm also an LinkedIn influencer uh, on LinkedIn dancing all around the world. Yeah. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) On LinkedIn dancing. So much to unpack there. Where do you start? (laughs) Let's start at the start. I think you said 15 years, Mm. right? So what, where did you start? What does that mean? Uh, I was a small town girl from Springvale and um, just loved the performing arts. So I went to university, started for three years and then came out of university and that was that weird transition of going, I know my Bachelor of Arts won't make me any money, so do I become a teacher and do my dip head? But I stayed good friends with my drama teacher and he said, you know what, go fail as an actor first and then be a drama teacher. So at least you know you've given it a go. You can't just, you can't be a, you know, an actor but not give the industry a go. So I did and that was in 20, that was in 2006. Wow. And I haven't done my dip ed since then. <laughs> go fail though. Yes. Not go give it a crap. <laughs> go succeed. You might make it. It was just go fail. Go fail. Awesome. Yeah. And um, I've been really lucky. I've, I'm a bit of a hustler. So I've worked, uh, done TV, film, short films. I've done all that free stuff to get my CV up. And uh, magically this year has been my biggest year. I've had five TV roles uh, this year. It's been mind-blowing. Awesome. In my 14th year of acting, Five roles on TV. <laughs> Which is a lot. It is. For an Asian, well, you know, I am um, Asian-Australian. So that's a bit of a breakthrough, I reckon. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Mm. So what was that go-fail start? Or maybe it's success. I'm not sure anymore mm, now. Yeah. Oh, what th- was the start? You know, you went out and... Just going doing it. So I got like a really dodgy agent who I never met and paid $350 a year. And um, just went onto websites and looking for auditions for theatre. So I'm a theatre trained and uh, just applied for everything. Free, uh, no, you get a show reel afterwards. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just kept going and going. And then I think about in my third or fourth year as the failed actor, who was, and I say that when, uh, I say that in a nice, endearing way as failed, is that. Um, I was given roles that were probably about two minutes long. So that for me is the industry failing me. And so I call myself as a failed actor. <laughs> so I, I wanted to shift that and I thought, hang on a minute, why don't I write my own stories? So I started creating my own content. So I started creating my own theatre shows. And they were predominantly about being intergenerational Vietnamese Australian and um, adjusting my life being an Australian and watching my mother's struggle being Australian. So that was the content I started shifting and started narrating my own 
shows and my um, my own journey. So, and then in 2011, my best friend from primary school, we decided to write a comedy show called Fee and Me. Performed at the Comedy Festival in 2011. We sold out four and a half stars in the Herald Sun. Um, and that kind of went, hang on, there's actually a market here and I can actually make money. <laughs> so that was another shift. Um, and I think I've been really good at being an entrepreneur, creative entrepreneur in my own business as an actor by morphing from an actor to MC to stand up. It's been a really weird transition. Like generally actors stay as actors, but I've had to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. Which, awesome. Which is, you know, the, we see as a future for a lot of creatives and creators online mm. especially. But um, stopping it at Fee and Me, like the this, the live show, mm. what what was it? Like explain that to people who haven't seen it or so heard of it. F- so Fee and Me uh, is a celebration of a Vietnamese refugee mum and her daughter. Uh, and uh, actually in the actual sh- so the theatre show, we changed it. Um, the theatre show was a son, so mother's love for her son and what she'll do and all these embarrassing sketches that we could put together of our growing up with our real mums. And for the first time, there was a celebration of this tough love in Melbourne when it was very whitewashed with white comedians, um, very white content. And so we stood up. So we had people lining up. We were selling out for three weeks. Um, and that was in a 80 room. And it was our first year debuting as well. So it was huge for our community, but huge for other refugee migrant generations that come to Australia to hear another perspective. Because we had, we had walks out of work. <laughs> we, you know, we've had Effie, you know, that generation in the 90s, but we never really got to celebrate the Vietnamese story. So that was where Feed Me came alive because there was a market that wanted it. Brilliant. Yeah, thanks. It was hard work. <laughs> um, so like when you say you went, you were trying to get roles and you were getting two-minute parts and not getting paid and things like that and you shifted to writing your own content, what was that shift like? It was it sounds like it was forced on you but in, in a way, but it was, it was always within you. Mm. I think when you get cast as a prostitute 10 times, you kind of go, there's more to me as an artist, right? So that's that's what was happening? Yeah, I was getting cast in very stereotypical roles, um, prostitute, refugee, doctor, nurse, but I could never play someone with emotion. I was never all this theatre training that I learnt from Shakespeare to Greek theatre. I was never allowed to expand any more than just those two minutes. Like I make a joke in my stand-up um, that I go wrong underbelly. Everyone knows underbelly. But then I go, oh, but I was on underbelly for 20 seconds as a Chinese carrying waitress. So, you know, in those 20 seconds, how could I emotionally tell you that I'm a human person yeah. who has more complex ideals and thoughts and failures? I couldn't. So that's why I had to go and write my own work to show you that I am a complex actor. I can go there. But the industry has restricted me. So it stopped me from actually growing as an artist. So I decided to grow myself. <laughs> God, it's tiring. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. That's yeah. so good. Um, I, sorry, yeah, I really wanted to sort of un- get a little bit of a, a taste of why, yeah, why you, would, why you did that. Um, That's it. Prostitute roles. Prostitute. <laughs> How much? But, you know, <laughs> 10 of those in a row, you'd be, you know, you'd dial that in. And <laughs> well, do you know on that show called um, Marcus Pol- uh, Marco Polo? 
Yeah. That was on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was given an audition for that and it was a prostitute role, concubine, one of Marco Polo's <laughs> women, and it said in the description, um, would you be happy to get naked for it? And but but this time but I would have gotten that if it was the fifth prostitute role, but because it I had hit a limit. I said no. I said no to my agent, yeah. and I regret that because I could have gone on Marco Polo to Netflix. <laughs> I regret uh, that that was like the tenth one. Yeah. You know, I, I rejected so, so it. So this, if you're saying if that was the fifth, like if that was the fifth time, that would still be okay. But it was actually the tenth time. Yeah, it kind of. I was at the top of my cup. You know, when it overfills. Yeah. I wish it was just like a really I, tasty drink that just overflowed. Overflowed, <laughs> and I wish I, I have regrets about it because I could have flown to Malaysia and shot it. You know, um, I would have met uh, Rimi uh, Rimi He, who is like the star of Marco Polo. I could have met him and could have been friends. Could have been naked with him. Could have or his body double. Yeah, could have made my mum proud. <laughs> yeah, that's a regret. That's a regret. I didn't take that prostitute role. <laughs> so you're saying the only roles that were available were either prostitute, doctor, refugee, or nurse. Or drug dealer. Forgot that one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Gangster. Gangster. You know, back in the day, the 90s. Bits, the bits were out on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Which, in Victoria Street, you know. Oh, okay. uh, it, I mean, I guess it was sort of normalised, right, that, that that was kind of accepted. Um, but you were, you know... You wanted to break that new ground. That probably did it feel like you were pushing boundaries, or you would, did you feel like this is just something that it just makes perfect sense to you? And why doesn't anyone else see this? Uh, I knew I was making work that was wanting to be seen when we were selling out. And you know, when there's exchange of money, you're like, "Well, this is a good deal." <laughs> As an artist, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, you're giving me money to see something that I've made." Not because someone else did. I did it. So that was very groundbreaking for me as an artist. And then since then, I've just been making work all the time. Just I've just been churning out work and hence why I'm very productive <laughs> and tired yeah. as well, especially when people, when you're always making work and work and work. But, and, and, but in the last two, three years, I've just found that work's been made for me. So that's been the beautiful exchange. So being me sold out, you sort of showed there was awesome appetite for – different stories mm. what it so you alluded to it but what did you do what what sort of came next or what, what was your oh, next step so we toured all around australia we went to edinburgh and in and i went to the u.s and performed in orange county which is the largest vietnamese community that, that migrated after the vietnam war and i would perform mm. with two thousand people in the audience for four hours i was emceeing and it was so electrifying to get 2,000 people to dance with me. I'm a bit of a dancer. Um, Kim Hong knows how to get 2,000 people standing up and roaring. Um, and that's what I love as being a performer, to get the, the chain shift. That's why I, I am an actor. I, I, it used to be, and to be quite frank, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be successful, and that was famous. But I realised as I matured as an artist, I wanted to shift people from the level of sitting to the level of getting up from their soul. Just like, like that little shift in them to see some joy. Um, so to get those 2,000 people standing up, I just realised, hang on a minute, I can't do this every night with 2,000 people, but I can do it by making a web series, <laughs> by you mm. touching a button on a computer <laughs> instead of me coming to your house and performing in front of you to give the, that joy. So that's when we shift into the next level, which was the web series and using technology to spread this story out further around the world. 
And that took five years. And you know String Nguyen, um, she was like a huge champion who supported me with the first crowdfund technology again, raising $11,000, singing karaoke, dancing. <laughs> well, let's unpick that a bit. So let's like tell what is so, so what is the the web series? Yes. And then like, I really want to know how you got it made. Oh, God. Sharing that with everyone. It's, it's, like, well, it's, it's important for people to hear that you can't just like, you can't just sell out theatre shows and then just, hey, I'm going to make a web series and just make it next week. I mean, you said it's five years. It took there's, five years, yeah. There's a lot happening in that five years. But So what like, what was the web series? And, and What was the web series? So the web series was the, uh, to, okay, let me just start from the beginning, of the mission of the web series was that there has never been a Vietnamese Australian family comedy series celebrated on screen ever in the world. That Not even in America, not in Australia, not France, Germany, there's never been a, a web series created about a refugee's mum experience raising children, intergenerational conflict between two parents oh. from a Vietnamese background. Um, and that was mind-blowing for me. Like I would have thought someone in the first generation would have done that. But it came onto my lap because I was researching and finding there was no narrative. And um, I think also in that time I was trying to heal my relationship with my mum as well and wanted to understand her journey as a mother. And, um, yeah, so we if we go 2014, I'm sitting with String. Uh, I've probably met String three, four times, and I just said to her, I want to raise money to make a web series. And she said, all right, I'll support you. Uh, uh, go on Possible. And for, so for a month, uh, for 30 days, she sat with me on the call, on the phone, creating marketing content for me. Uh, where we just went support the first ever Vietnamese Australian family comedy series. And that was the statement. Make this happen. Make this dream happen. And over 30 days we raised $11,000 by people donating $25 for me to sing a karaoke song. So I had about 40 requests. So what did you do? You said (laughs) as part of the reward, if you pay 25 bucks, you get to choose the song? You get to choose the song and I was singing character. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's brilliant. Uh, sorry, how many people picked it up? Uh, how many people? Uh, 40 people. Awesome. And the, the the funny part of this is that I was going through a breakup, so doing the crowdfund actually got me through the breakup. Amazing. Yeah. I was like after filming and, you know, singing the song, I was like crying. <laughs> Are you like, the like, art saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, as long as people didn't choose breakup songs, you're, but, you're okay. Yeah, you're like, it was like, you know, it was like let it go. It was my neck, my back. <laughs> it was great. I was, I was, I was in it. I was in it. So we raised eleven grand, and then we had to write it. And it's a really funny thing. I never really believed that we could raise that money, but when people give you money, they give you responsibility. So now we had to write it. Um, and from a shift from a theatre show to web series script was a massive blow in my face. I didn't understand it. I hadn't learnt about it, so it took us two years to write it. Wow. Yes. Wow. And then two years later, 2017. Did you get, sorry, before you do that, did, mm. you get some, like, did you just struggle your way through it? Did you find someone else to help? or you just... uh, it, it was poor planning, I'll take that, which is um, my co-creator, she doesn't work in industry, so I, we, we worked around her school holidays, so she's a teacher. So we only wrote during school holidays and because also I was 
hustling my other business, which was getting me up as well. I was balancing on this where I wasn't getting paid, so I didn't know which one was more important. But uh, I think after a year or two, I had friends had given me money and said, where's, where's the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, $11,000 worth of backers going. It is. What, what's happened? Yeah, we're, and, and Vietnamese culture, when you give people money, it's kind of like loan sharks. You, there's a lot of liability. You don't want to be known as a person who ran away with the money. I think any community, <laughs> that's ubiquitous across most people, I think. I gave you money. Don't run away with it. Yeah, don't run away with it. But yeah, oh, but, it gets, oh, but it's massive shame. And the Vietnamese people, have to, I have to say, are very good at shaming you. Very good at shaming. And then they blacklist your family, your next generation. Right. Yeah, it flows it down. flows down. Right. My kids will be shamed. Yeah. <laughs> You came through, so mm. you save your to save your kids, your future kids, and your in-laws and whoever else. Yeah, you you came through with the goods, though. We came with the good with a script. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Uh, got got two producers on board, and then December twenty seventeen, we filmed it seven days straight in Springvale. That sounds too easy. Back it up. Back it up. Go <laughs> further. <laughs> How do you get two producers and suddenly start <clears> filming it? No, I was really wowed that people were able to do this for free. So if we talk about the possible possible crowdfund, it was $11,000 we raised, mm-hmm. but when we took out all the costs, it was $9,000. So we had $9,000 in the bank to make a web series, knowing that more than half of that money will be paid for catering. <laughs> um, to feed. We had a cast of 50, a cast of 50 and a crew of like 50. Wow. And $9,000 in the bank. And if you ask me, how did I get? How did we involve two producers and the team? Was because they loved the story. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm. I'm so grateful for these two people. So the two people are Lucinda Bruce and Serena Hunt, who said yes, and the team that came on board with nine thousand dollars in the bank account just said yes too. They believed in it, and I'm, I have to say, I'm really good at pushing the message <laughs> that this is this is the first one ever. Um, and they love the script. Um, I'm, I'm still, I'm grateful I'm still right putting now. the numbers to I'm like nine grand. Yeah, nine grand. People. They did it for free. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. What, what's the story? Like, what is the story that they fell in love with? Uh, it's basically a – so I play the, the one of the main roles. There's two characters. So there's the daughter and myself who's the mother. And it's basically the interactions and love they have for each other. So – in episode one, you get to meet mum in the sewing machine room in the garage um, talking about, you know, being successful and her daughter wanted a drama. So there's a narrative where the daughter hasn't told her mum that she's doing a, a school production and just kept it a secret. And, um, it, you know, mum calls her a slut for wanting to be like Lucy Lou. Um, and then in the second episode, at the fur restaurant, so, you know, going into the fur experience and the third one is at Springvale Library where and the stories are based on Fiona and I growing up so it was um no us going to the library to study but to check out boys yeah so you know it was a way to be away from our parents and then number four and five it it brings all the three episodes into the four for the climax which I can't expose the 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 climax where Kim Hung the mum has a secret that she hasn't told her daughter which number five resolves, mm-hmm. yeah, and then we, and then yeah, so yeah, we're very proud of the five episode narrative. 
Um, but yeah, Peggy, does this fell in love in the cracker the cracker story? Um, yeah, that, I think one of the favorite scenes that, and I've just posted on my Instagram is the report card. Um, if you want to check it out, it's where Kim Hong goes down the report card. A plus is for average, uh, B, C, D, and like D don't come home. If you get a D, don't come home, and F is F you. <laughs> Yeah, it's a beautiful report card. And is that lifted straight from life or is there a bit of we, we, creative life? You could not get an F. <laughs> That's beyond don't come home. Yeah, it's beyond don't come home. It's it, There was a huge expectation to be a doctor, uh, to be so successful because your parents came here with nothing. And I think with Fee and me and at the end of the episode five, we actually have this blank screen with white writing that says – we want to say thanks to our parents for making it hard for us uh, to grow up in Australia, but we are we are so grateful that you did, and we we see the hard work that you did to make us who we are. So that for me is why Fee and Me was made. It's a um, what you call it a capsule for us, because I don't think our parents we could ever repay what our parents did. Like for them to come on a boat for four to five days uh, to risk their lives so that we could benefit it and be doctors. I understand why the doctors are high, number one, but not everyone can be a doctor. There's actually too many doctors. Um, but, yeah, fee and me in the end was to say thank you. Thanks, Mum and Dad. When I'm on the mic. Fred, let's take a quick break here and just give ourselves a big plug. We are super excited by this new initiative. We have created the Changer Creator College. The Creator College, quite simply, is a place where you can get a whole bunch of online courses, including our brand new Accelerate course for YouTube, designed to help emerging and new creators become even better on the world's biggest video platform. The reason we think it's pretty good is that it's not just our opinions, but the opinions of a bunch of really great creators and experts coming together to give you a very logical, structured course. Damn right. It is the college just for creators. So check it out at changercollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R college.com. Um, Dan, it's, I really want to, um, obviously video is a big part of what we talk about, but you've yeah. really made inroads into LinkedIn video, which is yeah. a very interesting area. Can you just, let, let's just talk about that, like unpack yes. all that. Like how did you get into it? And how did you become so successful in it? So I bring it back to the same person, which is String. She she and I had another coffee <laughs> in 20, I think it was 2017, yeah, October 2017. Uh, Fee, Fee and me was about to be filmed and we were just having coffee and she'd just come back from America and just said, LinkedIn gave me the beta to do video. And I was like, all right, and just like get onto it. I was like, no, I'm not. I should be on YouTube. I should be on YouTube making content. And uh, and she said, no, no, trust me. Trust me. And so then I posted my first ever video, October 2017, and um, just kind of watched what people were doing. So video had only been released two months prior to this, so it was very brand new, very fresh. Um, and then I decided talking to camera, just uploading like a video blog. And then one day... I, I'd flooded my mum's uh, living room with pink water, laundry water. And I was like, I, I, and I posted this video on Instagram, on my Facebook, like, ha ha, funny, funny. And then I thought, let's just test it out on LinkedIn. I popped it on LinkedIn and went viral. 
And uh, it was funny. I, I, before I had posted that video, I said to String, what should my hashtag be to, you know, this could be something. And um, she, we were, like, trying to figure out, is it dancing D, dancing what? Um, and then I said, let's put my name on there, Dancing Diana. Popped it on. It went viral. And since that laundry powder video, it, I am known as Dancing Diana on LinkedIn. And I dance probably – I used to dance about three times a week, but now I dance once a week because – <laughs> they know who I am now. <laughs> Just from that, that 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 accident, that failure in my mother's house. Yeah, it went viral. And so, um, yeah, just been dancing ever since. So you were dancing in that video? Yeah, uh, to Raining Men. <laughs> and I was like lifting water up. from It, it flooded. Like I was puddling in my mother's <laughs> living room. <laughs> so you thought instead of like, oh, crap, I've ruined the house, I'm going to dance and record it. Yeah, my brain was thinking, well, because I was already doing that for Instagram. But no one was watching. It was like 400 views. Uh, and then I went on LinkedIn. And I think, um, but at that time there weren't views, but it was like 200 likes on LinkedIn. And that was huge. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think before we go further, <laughs> yes. and she's been mentioned a few times, who's String? Maybe give an introduction to String. Cause, yes. So um, st- I know who String is, but you know, you do, yeah. our listeners probably haven't. Well, some will. St- well, String, String Nguyen is a marketing and geek. And she tested a lot of beta for a lot of companies. So she, she did Meerkat. Um, she worked on a. She was a. She won an award with a bunch of women for a Snapchat series, and she was just testing so much stuff that LinkedIn said, "Here, here's the prize. Um, link. Can you test? Can you uh, test out LinkedIn video?" And so when she went live, on, uh, not live, when she posted a video on LinkedIn two years ago in August, um, it had 200, I think it was like 200,000 views. It was a massive, it blew up. And so that started the journey of video. Yeah. And that's, who, and oh, and mm. drumsticks. She loves fried chicken. Fried chicken. Yeah. And, yeah. And she was like the biggest uh, LinkedIn video creator in the world at one point. Wasn't She's she? the OG. There's probably th- yeah. two or three, four people who are OGs on LinkedIn? I'm probably I'm on mm. I'm on the I'm on the next level OG, but she's the original OG. Yeah, and I'm very very I treasure yeah. our friendship a lot. She yeah. she and I have supported each other heaps in all, both our works. So okay, so LinkedIn video like yeah. it's obviously and where's it gone for you since? And like who's your audience and how do you make it work? It's it's been curious because I am an actor and comedian on a platform for business and corporate. And I re- I first started out on LinkedIn as just an entertainer. I'm just going to be playful and fun and just dance. And uh, I snort a lot on LinkedIn in my videos as well. So my community on LinkedIn actually created a hashtag for me called Embrace the Snort. Uh, and so I've got a, lot of, a community of snorters who support me. But I think the kicker happened was uh, when I was um, crowdfunding for Fee and Me and asking for more money, and we got sponsorship. So then I realised that that was another way for me as an artist to get money to sponsor my work. Um, so fee, uh, we've got like two, three businesses who jumped on board and gave us a couple of thousand dollars, and that was what like great. And that's if you think about it, why wouldn't you be on LinkedIn? Because that's where corporates are. That's where money, where the money is. Um, and then I did my stand-up show this year called Dirty Diana. And I string had LinkedIn live beta and um, Good Soul, like her, she said, come on to my show and sing karaoke because a couple of months before that I had sang live on Facebook live for four hours singing karaoke 
um, like a karaoke thon, and I talked about this on the project. It was like, like people were donating thirty dollars a song, um, and I I raised four thousand dollars in four four hours on Facebook Live. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So then we transferred that from Facebook to LinkedIn. Did the same thing. And I sang for an hour or oh, three hours and raised $1,500 on LinkedIn Live. And we had set up like a link for them to donate and the songs would come up and we'd sing it. And then I, then I realised that this is where my community, this is where I could harness my community and get them to support me as an artist. Um, and it, it, it's been mind-blowing and great. So when I went to the States in July and August, I went to seven cities around the US and Canada and Toronto and danced with my community. Yeah. What do you mean danced with your community? What does that look like? I'm intrigued. Uh, uh, Did you tee it up and go, hey, I'm coming? Yeah, hi, I'm coming, LinkedIn local. So in each city in the world, there, um, there is a LinkedIn local community where someone organises a community of people who make content on LinkedIn. So I'm a co-host of LinkedIn Local Melbourne, so we meet up probably four times a year and have this event. It's quite cultish. Um, people just love LinkedIn and the community it creates because um, I make very different content from LinkedIn people. I talk about freezing my eggs and about love and heartbreak on LinkedIn. And the reason is because um, I guess because LinkedIn isn't – It's people had always assumed it's about corporates and about how to make money. But I'm going right behind the scenes, as which, which is what makes you a human being to go make the work. Yeah, and because I'm not, I'm not aligned to a business. I can't get fired, so I have the freedom to speak <laughs> about this stuff. So I have spoken about heartbreak on LinkedIn. I had two thousand views in one day. Um, I've talked about freezing my eggs, and and that was really interesting because I thought that was going to only. Um, women were only going to associate themselves to that subject. But men actually wrote in the posts um, saying, I get it too. I feel like I'm on a schedule to be a dad. Like I've, I want to know this. Like we want to be young to have kids, but we don't want to be too young. We want our careers. So I'm allowed to have that conversation on my LinkedIn with my community. Um, but, yeah, so when I went to the US, my community was really waiting. And so my community is in the US I've curated a, a a really strong community in the US that want to support me as an artist. Um, so they, I have people driving eight hours to see me, uh, from Houston to Dallas, um, from New Jersey uh, to New York. Uh, so I think someone from from Virginia to New York. It was crazy. <laughs> but because I had used my LinkedIn to tell my story as an artist, to for them to, I, I guess, feel like I was part of them. Yeah, I was... I was one of them, but they couldn't articulate that on a platform like LinkedIn. Yeah, I guess I became their kind of voice. And yeah, do you, and do you get much from it, like in terms of work and other things. So, I mean, you talked about obviously some success, but how does it feed into your sort of workflow, or deal flow? It's such a positive space on LinkedIn. Is that when I when I post something about my work, which is like stand up, uh, and then to walk away and come back to a platform and see 200 comments from people going, you're fantastic, keep going. It actually mm. made me keep going. 
It's like a, a really great cheese squad. And as you know, as a creator, it's a really lonely space when you're left alone in your dark space. Um, you, you, know, you go and perform, stand up in front of 100 people, you get that massive adrenaline applause and then you come home. I do go to my LinkedIn as my safe space um, to feel that another version of uh, community. You're quite active on the, a, a bunch of the other social platforms as well, like mm. um, Instagram and Facebook. What's the difference between those platforms and LinkedIn? For me, is heart. Yes. Um, with LinkedIn, I'm able to speak more as a human being without the filters. Yeah, so what LinkedIn has been, is showing us that you can be a human being who passionate about their work is driven to make a change. So that's what entrepreneurs are. Technically, they're changes. They want to change the game. So, um, and I'm an artist who wants to change the game too. I want to change how you feel. So I, I'm using LinkedIn to tell my, we call the Genesis story, to tell that story. And anyone who's an entrepreneur gets that. There is a story behind the story of success or story of a failure. With Instagram, and I'm trying to grow my Instagram following, I'm nearly at 4K, <laughs> um, I, I find it a bit hard to do that. Why? Because I feel like it's categorised, it's in niches. Like you've got to be either be a model, got to go travel, you've got to be like flowers, you gotta, <laughs> you've got to have like a very segmented um, personal branding. But on LinkedIn, the personal branding is like, who are you as a human being? And you could have 10 different hobbies, but we'll still love you. And I use this as an example, like um, um, Branson. Um, he, you know, he had a business about planes, Virgin, all about, uh, about planes and getting out, getting out to the world. But personal branding, he's shifted that to, hey, I want to get out into space. Like, like, um, so he's become the face of let's get me into space, not behind Virgin anymore. So it's like changing that. So it's like Diana, you're an actor, comedian, but we also know that you're a human being behind that. I want to support that human being to get her success. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still trying to figure, I'm trying to nail Instagram, but it's in, ever since Instagram's um, TV in, has got into the game, you can now post more than um, longer longer content. Mm. So I've posted my freezing eggs content on mm. my Instagram and I've gotten great views on that, but also really great comments from women and my friends messaging me going, hey, I want to talk to you about freezing eggs. So it's shifting, yeah. but I find with LinkedIn, it's still another game of real human story. Mm. Very interesting. So as a, as a comedian, as an artist and someone who's building your, you know, building that there on LinkedIn... Just we've touched on it, but what sort of content are you creating? And like you mentioned, dancing mm -hmm. um, and your longer format. But what what are they? What are those posts like? What is the content that you're creating? So the content varies uh, during the seven days. So I do number one is one dancing Diana, just to keep my personal branding relevant. What's dancing Diana? Like you were dancing here before warming up, but yes. that's quite different. But what like what's dancing Diana like? Do you want to give us a show or you want to tell us? or, I mean, for people listening, that's going to be useless. But you can jump on YouTube and watch this. There's a, well, I'm not a professional dancer. Right. But I, I, I've realised that people 
we we become freer when we move and it creates a little endorphin hit when we see someone move and we move in ourselves. And I go back to the basis when we were – and I give, go back to the number when we were seven years old, when whatever you did when you were seven, year old, seven years old wasn't wrong. But as a corporate on LinkedIn, anything you do is like there's a – no, you can't do that. So when I dance, I'm giving permission for someone else to go, that's okay, and I want to do that too. So that's why I do dancing, Diana. I do put up my stand-up. I put Fee in Me. Um, so I put uh, Fee in Me videos on there so that people can watch my web series and people buy our T-shirts from all around the world. So Switzerland, Netherlands, uh, Mumbai, the US, Toronto, people. I've kept Fee in Me alive via LinkedIn. Um, and I also do confidence and presentation warm-ups. So teaching people how to let go because every corporate person, entrepreneur will have to make a presentation in their life span <laughs> and tell their story. And I find that people think that a good presentation is, is, if the, is the content and if they just stand there. But I'm – because I'm theatre trained – it also needs to be entertaining. So I want to shift the game of let's try not to do TED Talks anymore <laughs> and be that, you know, um, the regiment TED Talk where you stand up there and just tell your story without entertainment. Actually tell there with gusto, with passion, with raw, um, to, to change the way we present. Yeah, I want to see people present better. Great. Yeah. Don't forget the dramatic TED Talk pause. That's it. <laughs> well, what if you could just dance? Great. Yes, it would go viral. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I do on my LinkedIn. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and I guess one thing we haven't really touched on too much is a, a bit of a flavour for what your stand-up is. Mm. I think I, like it's um, when we first met and had dinner after VidCon, uh, we, we had a, a, a cracking time and – I don't think people were drinking too much, but the conversation went super weird and super we interesting. Yeah. But your stand-up was in, uh, was very – well, it wasn't your stand-up, but talking <laughs> about your stand-up was even just super interesting, the places you take it. So, like, what what's your stand-up cover? Like, what sort of space is your stand-up? My stand-up is storytelling, yeah. but I like to be controversial and a bit political as well. Um, I think we were laughing. I think it was Michael Jackson maybe. <laughs> Well, sure. Uh, no, probably. It was, yeah, a, it was numerous it things. Was many things we probably shouldn't laugh about, but <laughs> you do laugh about and it's okay. It's okay. Well, that's the license of comedians as well. We're meant to test test work. Um, the one thing I, I guess I wouldn't tolerate would be um, race, I guess. Yeah. Like we can talk about human beings fucking up. I hope I can swear. Yeah. yeah. Stuffing up. No, no, you're um, good. You're right. You're okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, for me, uh, for me, if a white comedian still does jokes about other races for a quick gag, then I would pull the pin on it. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think we did we did talk a fair bit. I think was, you guys were a bit shocked. No, no, I was just entertained. <laughs> but I just, I, I just want people to get a, a, a taste for who, who's Diana the comedian, the standout. Well, like. I do talk about prostitution, and uh, but it's really it's and the main core. I think about my two shows. I did two shows called one called Naked. Oh, well, yeah, Naked. The reason why I did got into stand up was because um, the acting roles kind of dried up, and I was really tired of um, doing those two minute roles as well. And 
paying fee in me is not the most attractive thing I could do. It's not the most attractive character. So I thought, why don't people just see Diana Nguyen, who she is as a human? So we were talking about the LinkedIn human. I was like, let's see, let the world see who Diana is. So um, I think my first show, I talked uh, at the end of the show, I talked about having my email hacked. And um, and someone had hacked my email and downloaded my naked photos. So I used that space to use comedy to talk about that. Yeah. And being a you know a prostitute, like a real life prostitute. <laughs> Rather than the two-minute cast one. <laughs> yeah, two-minute cast one. Um, and then Dirty Diana was like, uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know what content I can actually say on here. You, you, can, say you, whatever, can, you can say whatever you, can edit. you want. Okay, you, so this is a free in, space. Great. So in Dirty, in Dirty Diana, I talked about, because um, I am a single woman, 34, um, you know, you're on dating apps and stuff. And I went on a date with this guy, took this guy home and he left a shit stain on my bed. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't just take a shit on you. No, sheets no it, was a, it was a stain. It was a, stri- a strip. It was an airstrip on my <laughs> white sheets. And this, the funny thing wasn't him leaving the shit stain. That, that's yuck. But what was disgusting was that I – as a woman and caring, beautiful person that I am, decided while he went to the toilet to clean his shit stain so he wouldn't know. <laughs> Who does that shit? <laughs> Me. You, clearly. I know. Did he notice? No. Because you've got the no, scrubbing out. And- I was like scrubbing the shit out of it. <laughs> I was like a DJ, like yeah, I was on my fours, like scrubbing, and then I would I got a towel and covered it to protect this human being that I would never ever see again. <laughs> so that's where my comedy is. It's, it's like what Diana yeah, does. That's awesome to care about people. Get stained, guy. So that's what I do talk about. Yeah. So just telling you guys, just wipe your asses, all right? Just wipe your asses. Before you go home with a lovely lady, hygiene. Yes, hygiene. Please. Oh, I will clean it. Whatever oh. happens. Whatever happens. Yeah, so that's where my stand-up is. Yeah, but I've got a show next year called, uh, it's a brand new show called Chasing Keanu Reeves. Mm. Yeah, because so, we're always chasing something. Yeah. So you, you go and... Chase poor Keanu. Well, it's a bit hard now because Keanu's actually taken. I hear that. Yeah, he's taken to this really beautiful woman. But I, 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 Are you going to go and find her and deal with that or is, is that the show? No, oh, no, I, <laughs> no, I think the, the, the real reason why the show is called Chasing Keanu is that we, we as human beings are always chasing something that we can't have. So that's going to be the basis of it. Like we're always chasing something. Yeah, I'm always chasing for the best pimple popper video. Have you seen? Really? <laughs> I love P- Dr. Pimple Popper. If you're listening to this, I am a huge fan of Dr. Pimple Popper. Like, she relaxes me. Yeah. <laughs> Have you not seen her videos? Uh, not before specifically. I... I've seen I've, I've, I've seen some shocking ones before. Yeah. Oh, my God, that can't be humanly possible. But I've only seen it maybe once or twice. I but, didn't think it was be a, a long-term thing. It's a long-term thing. The reason why we watch her is that we're chasing for perfection, aren't we? Why are we popping these pimples for? It's a release when she takes it out. Like she like pulls it out, pulls out the whole socket, pulls out the bag. It's amazing. Did you know there's a sack that the pimples held in? 
No. <laughs> I don't know where this got to. Fred, did you have any idea about any of this? Any I had this? no idea. No. It's amazing. Just watch her. I, I oh. actually watched her video before I got in here. Just to get your mind right. <laughs> your mind right. Yes. Bit Technology, a, Instagram. Yeah, a bit of a dopamine hit before you come in. Dr. Pimple Popper. Yes. I like the name. Yes, it's very what good. What were we talking about? I'm so like, my mind is gone. Chasing Keanu Reeves. Chasing Keanu. Chasing the perfect. Oh, of course, the perfect pimple chasing popping. The, chasing the partner, chasing the followers, chasing LinkedIn. Yeah. So other than perf- perfect pimple popping, mm. what are you chasing? Like, like honestly? If you want to be. I think I'm chasing me for the first time. Mm. What does that mean? Uh, I think um, if we're going in... Going heavy. Yeah, going heavy. Mm. I think for a very long time I was told that this is how I was meant to live and I think I've realised that I don't need to live like that. Um, and if I go even deeper, and that's why I was talking about that breakup video on LinkedIn, um, that when I posted that video, I was scared that I was going to get trolled and someone going, um, oh, no, no, another sob story. <laughs> But it was a sob story. But I I posted it because I wanted people to feel a bit deeper in their lives more than what we're seeing on on, um, social media these days. I think we sometimes uh, are too filtered and we forget what it is to be a human being. And my heart was really ripped out of me because I thought I'd met the father of my children and I was going to have kids with him. And And I did that video because I wanted to remind myself that this happened in my life and I'm going to go better. So that's why I posted it on LinkedIn because it's been nearly a year now. It happened um, two days before Christmas this year, last year. And it just made me realise I've got to do more for me and chase this person who is creating all this content, right, for other people, but I need to do something for me, um, and which is I want to be a mum one day. So I am chasing... I'm chasing me to be the better person to have great kids so that they can change the world because I think the world that we're living in is quite scary. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I, I was part of the Extinction Rebellion protest and that really shifted um, my – I really want to use my influence on LinkedIn to change change the numbers game and the money game on LinkedIn to bring to, – to make people remember why we're doing what we're doing is human survival. Human beings, yeah, take out, yeah. We took this to a really heavy direction, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Damn, didn't expect well, that. But well, that's important. It's very important. Well, it's incre- and that, that's But why do you guys do what you do? Shits and giggles. Shits and giggles. No. <laughs> 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 I know. It's terrible of me to take your deep, meaningful, and, and not give you a, a real answer. No, that's, um, that's my stand-up. Well, that's what I do stand-up, is to make people go a bit deeper. Like, all, it's shit and giggles. But in reality, what else is there? Yeah. So my, my comedy is a bit darker than most people. Like I don't I, – I, you come out with like a, oh, wow, that was funny, but that was deep. Yep. <laughs> actually, on that note, we actually have run out of time. Yeah, no, you've got um, so much stuff. We have. Oh. But, and that's not an escape mechanism, so we don't have to talk about why we do this, but we have. But as we always say to all the creators we have on here, um, do you have mm. any – tips for emerging new or current creators on video platforms how to be the best they can be i I guess the first tip i would say show up just start making the content um and take out your own filter of stopping you from doing it 
um, that's from my experience. When I first jumped on LinkedIn, making content on LinkedIn, people were like, why LinkedIn? And then I guess now I'm saying, why not? Why not trust yourself and just do it? So, uh, and um, this is a learning process as well, which is if you keep making content, that first video that was so shit won't be ever be seen. (laughs) And always learn that you are always improving from that first video to the next video to the next video. I've made over, I think over 1,500 videos on LinkedIn. Yeah. So no one can scroll down to see my first video ever because your your computer will lag. So just (laughs) that's my tip if you want to get on LinkedIn. Just keep keep creating content um, and support other content creators on there because that's the algorithm. It's supporting each other. Mm. It's community. Great. Any other golden tips of advice? For LinkedIn or content? Whatever you want. Whatever you think other creators should – can accelerate their learnings from your vast experience? Uh, I've learnt in my vast experience that intention, have a reason why you're posting it. Yeah. Don't, uh, yes, show up, yes, make it, but always think what is my mission with this button when I press it? Why? And then then post it. (laughs) Intention. That's great. Mm. That is killer advice. Thanks. That's brilliant. Diana Nguyen. Dancing Diana. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Creator Generation. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me. It was got it got it got everywhere, didn't it? Can we get one big like epic snort just for I can't put on a snort. <laughs> for people I that notice Diana has this great natural snort when she laughs and that's why we didn't even dive into that and it's just the funniest thing. I reckon you would have collected something. Oh, we've got heaps of snorts. Yeah, just just, put it at the end. uh, I just love it. I've always wanted to do a snort reel. It was like, everybody snort now. Do it? Oh. Yeah. You haven't done it? No, I haven't done it. Next LinkedIn video, watch out for that. Oh, so much editing. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Dana, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Create the generation. Look on the mic.